0: Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. There are 66 books in the Bible, but to understand sin and redemption through Jesus, you must start from the first book, where God breathed life and set the stage for the unfolding story of his living word. Join us as we go through the book of Genesis in this sermon series titled, Grace Upon Grace. Wonderful. Good morning. Good morning.
1: We're going to continue our study in Genesis. We'll be in chapter 2 today. And as a reminder, what we're doing is we're going to be taking kind of a 30,000-foot view of Genesis, trying to maintain and keep the whole story of Scripture in view. Right? It's the way that God intended us to live. Right? When you look at the creation story, you're like, oh, this is great. Well, this is going to be the last chapter of the ideal, (laughs) because inevitably, we know the, the whole story of Scripture is about redemption, because there was a problem that happened with the ideal. But today, we're going to look at the way God intended us to be in relationship with Him, with others, with the world. My hope is that it will be encouraging and that it will give us a target to shoot for, um, anybody that's ever done hiking in the woods, if you've ever gone on a long journey, right, it's important to know where you start so you know how to get back there, right? So you know how to get to where you started. What ends up happening, is if you don't pay attention, with Joey, I know Joey's done a lot of these trips, right? So this is a, this is a big deal. What you do is you, you know where you start and you, you, there's markers along the way so that you know how to get back. If you don't know how to get back to the beginning Right. You can wander aimlessly for a very long time if you just try to, like, make your own way. Right. So what people do is they'll tie ribbons on trees. Right. Oh, this is I've been here been here. So when you turn around, and you're like, hey, we've been hiking for four days. We probably need to get back. You can know and get yourself back. And this is this is the same for our life. If we don't know where we started, how we got here, what we were intended for, what can happen is we can wander around aimlessly in life, kind of making our own way. And this is, in fact, what we'll find next week is what happened. And if you find yourself wandering aimlessly in the woods, there's certain dangers, right? There are certain things. You can die from exposure. You can die, depending on where you are, there's wild animals, right? There's hey bear. There's a reason why people walk around saying hey bear, It's so that the bears don't come near you and eat you. See, but what happens if you're like, oh, we don't need to worry about, we'll find our way somehow back. And you forget where you started. You'll be out there and, and a lot of people die because they wander aimlessly, not knowing how to get back to where they started. It's important that we know how we got here, the purpose for which we were made. Because as we'll learn next week, in the fall of man, it helps us to get back to where we're going, to where we need to be. So Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we started the first three verses were about the Sabbath. We talked about that last week. Verse 4 is where we're going to start. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. This word, Lord God. Lord God. This is repeated 11 times in this chapter. Lord God, the Lord God did this, the Lord God did that, the Lord God, the Lord God, you see this a lot. It is both names of God. It's the general name for God, Elohim, right? The sovereign creator of all the heavens and the earth. And Yahweh, right? The revealed name of God that he gave to Moses. So what we have is, uh, when, when the readers are reading this, right, in Moses' day, when he's, when he's written these down, here's what they would understand. Elohim is the creator, provider, and sustainer of all life, and Yahweh, the Savior, Redeemer, and the covenant-making deity. This is important. Because we're going to set up to understand why the covenant was necessary in the first place. So you have the creator and sustainer and provider of all life, and the Savior, the Redeemer, and the covenant-making Deity, God. Eleven times in this chapter. So what we've had is this overview, chapter one. We have this big general overview, right? God did this and it was good. Did this and it was good, and He made man, and He made man in His image, right? We, we heard that last week. Now we're going to get down in some of the details of the creation, right? So this is not a linear. You're like, well, He created him, and then we're talking about the creation of Adam and Eve and in more detail. What's the, This is we had the overview. Now we're getting into detail. So here we go. <clears throat> When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. This is a very interesting side note. It had not rained yet. The earth was sustained by springs and water from the ground. The mist that was there, God was watering. fog. It was not rain from the heavens. Does that make sense? So God was watering the earth a different way. When rain started, it was quite the event, which we'll get to. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This word formed, this word formed is, think about uh, in Jeremiah 18, it talks about the potter with the clay. Like my mom throws clay, so um, and she is an artist. This word formed, it, it denotes the work of an artist. That's the, what the translation refers to. The work of an artist is very, this very careful crafting. We read Psalm 139 last week. That's where you find how carefully and purposefully that man was created. Right? From the, from the, the ground. The earth he was brought out. Right? Right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We were brought out of the earth and we, our, our physical bodies returned to that place that we were originally made. And then he breathed life. So he formed and fashioned us and then he breathed life. He breathed life into us. right? And what's interesting is he breathed life into us at the beginning. And Yahweh, remember the redeemer, covenant maker, the savior... Right, We have to have new life breathed into us, right? The Holy Spirit comes into those who believe and new life is breathed into them. And we walk in that new life. The connection between the original intention and what Jesus brought is the whole thing. We started with the intention, we blew it next week, and it is restored to the intention through Jesus Christ. All right, the, the, the back and forth between the creation and what was restored is uh, fascinating when you read the old and the new and the old and the new. So he goes on to say this, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Eden is a place that we don't exactly know where. We, well, well, it, it gives some indicators, but after the flood, it, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not that looked the same. So finding Eden is gonna be very difficult <laughs> It was not a small, dainty garden that you do in your backyard. It was actually a very large, large area of the earth that that he was placed into. But Eden was a place. It wasn't the Garden Eden. It was the Garden in Eden that God had, had put in there. So he planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And there were two trees specifically. There was a tree of life, which he could eat. And there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? There was a purpose, right? So he was intended with purpose. God fashioned Adam and mankind, and even in just a moment as we get there, with moral responsibility. He had to create them with the ability to choose him or not. And in order to, to, in order to make sure that the relationship was correct, he had to test him. And with the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tool that God used in order to test him. The tree of life, if you want to take notes, just I don't have it up here, but Revelation 22, verses 1 to 3, we hear about the tree of life again, right? At the beginning was the tree of life. New heavens and the new earth, our relationship with God, the tree of life will be at the center of that. Space as well in our relationship with God. It says, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes on, and we're not going to belabor this, but he goes on, he talks about the rivers that are there, right? There are four rivers that came out of Eden. And he talks about gold, and he talks about stones and gems. Verse 15 is where we're going to pick up. <clears throat> he says this the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. Work was not a, work was not a, a product of the fall, right? To tend it, to care for it, to, to work it, right? He, it was, he placed him at rest in the garden. And also to, uh, excuse me, to tend it. or to keep it rather. This is the idea of to keep it. Those those words there mean to protect it, right? The idea is that the enemy fell, right? Satan fell before this and was present on the earth, right? And so he was called to work it, to have dominion, to care for it, but also to protect it. And then God gives this... um, Gives the, he gives us command. It's the first command that we see in the scripture. A quick note. The word abad, which is to work it, it means to serve, right? And the idea that all the things that Adam was put here for was to be in service to God. Mankind was put on earth to serve God and be in relationship to him. Interesting. That service starts at the beginning. Right? Like, we like you to serve the church, right? That's something we do to take care of one another. But the idea is that everything that Adam was supposed to do was meant to serve and honor and glorify God, not himself. And everything worked the right way. And the Lord God commanded the man. You know what a command is? He did not say, then the Lord God suggested to him. He did not say to Adam, hey, if you would like to do this, he said, here, you make the choice of whether or not this is the right thing. He commanded him. There's a. There's a, I know some of us are like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> we don't like commands, do we? Do this, don't do that. In the scriptures, you see this constantly. If you do this, then. There's a lot of if thens. And you find it in Deuteronomy chapter 30, you could go and read, That God gave them the choice of life and death. It's the same thing that he gave Adam. And all throughout scripture we see the same theme. If you do this, if if you would listen to me, you will experience blessing and provision and care. The whole idea of Eden was a place where they didn't need anything. right? It was a place of perfect provision, perfect protection, perfect abundance. The word Eden, in fact, means luxury. It's kind of cool. A garden of Luxury. Sounds good. Where do you want to live? I'd like to move to luxury. I'd I'd like to move to abundance. So he goes on. And this is the command that he gives. He says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree. Remember the the garden or the creation? What did he create? Every tree and its various kinds, seed producing its kind, yielding seed and all these things. Every tree, the tree of life, Had 12 kinds of fruit on it. That's cool. Right? There was an abundance of provision. So you can eat of every tree of the garden. But, but, so enters the test. Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat or when you eat, very interesting that God uses this verbiage, In the day that you eat or when you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. Who's present in the garden? How many people in the garden right now? Just one, just one. The command is given to whom? That one. He is very clearly given a directive, a command. You have free reign of the entire place. Eat and be satisfied except don't eat from this tree. The idea of not eating from the tree was that we were taking control of, right? If you eat, you're taking control of what is right and wrong. You are usurping what God is saying. You are living in a life of distrust, a lack of dependence on, and believing that God is not holding out on you, but in fact, giving you everything that you need, right? He has been given everything that they need, in fact, more than they need, and just don't eat this one tree. And wouldn't you know, Right? How do we do with the commands of God? Well, we know because we're living in the fallen, sinful world, right? We know that we don't do that great. And it's the same reason why we're talking about it now. God, in fact, has provided abundantly for us, hasn't he? given us everything that we need. Everything that we need to live and breathe and move is found in him. And he gives us some commands. Just don't do this. And it's like moth to a flame, isn't it? Moth to a flame. Oh, this tree, right? Everything but this one. This is what he says. You will surely die. You will surely die. Then the Lord God said, look, it's not good for man to be alone. Loneliness is not good. Aloneness was not good for him. And so here's, here was the plan. Here was the plan. I will make a helper fit for him, suitable for him. I think this is actually really fascinating. Really fascinating. Because this word helper, it means a, a helper corresponding to, that's what the translation means, a corresponding to Adam. To correspond with him, right? It's, that word helper, it's not a demeaning term, it's actually a term that is used for God all through the Psalms and the scriptures. Oh God, you are our helper and our strength. Oh God, you are, where does our help come from? It's the same word used, for God Almighty, right? God, in fact, in a relationship with God, he is our helper. He is supplying something that we don't have. So he said, I'm gonna gonna find someone, something to be your corresponding partner, right? Uh, Somebody to, that will fill in the gaps that you don't have. So here's what it says. This says, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed, again, fashioned, right, the work of the earth, every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Now, it's important to note here, Adam was not made with no intellect and in growing into it. He was created a complete human, right? Humanity was created, just like all the other things. It was good. It was very good. So he had intellect. He had understanding. There were, right, he was able to speak and form sentences. He wasn't a child. He wasn't, he wasn't fashioned a baby. And this is where it's interesting to me. So God's like, here, what is this? He's like, oh, elephant. That's weird, right? Oh, look, I would, this goes back to the whole dinosaur conversation, which we're not going to get into right now. Like pterodactyl, like, that's weird. The birds of the heavens, the things that see, I don't know what you want to talk about. Like, woolly mammoth, Like, there's. The beasts of the field were named, right? They were brought in. You're like, that's dumb, Johnny. He wasn't a scientist. Well, he was before science. And he can do, if God said he named him, then he named him. So either you believe Oliver or you don't, right? And so he goes and it says this, this parade of every living thing, whatever he called them, that was his name. I still want to know how he got aardvark. Totally different story. I want to understand a few things. There's some weird animals out there man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam was not found a corresponding partner. Nobody was found fit. Nobody was found to be a suitable helper. The opposing thumb things probably played a part. Right? The ability to reason, the ability to have logic, the ability to relate in the same way that Adam did. Right? God dealt with animals differently. There was a different relationship than there was with the animals. And so here he says, And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And from the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. This word made, if the word formed, right, this work of an artist was formed like clay in the hands of a potter, this word made is actually can be translated built. God formed the man and built the woman. If you look in our study of Ephesians over the last little while, what we see is that Jesus Christ was building us into a a body. He was building us into a building for him to reside in with him as the chief cornerstone. That word built is the same thing. The same idea. It takes a creator, somebody who is beyond wise, right? So he he forms Adam and he builds Eve and he brings her to him. There's always that class. If you've been in church a while, he brought her to Adam and he's like, whoa man. Yeah, I didn't think it was that funny either. That's okay. The word for man and the word for woman are actually very similar. Ish and Isha, they are related. And what he did when he created woman was he created a suitable, corresponding helper. The things that Adam lacked, she didn't. And the things she lacked, Adam didn't. And together they were formed a more complete and whole humanity. Right? Think about it. Think about marriages. Think about relationships, even the body of Christ. When we come back into the New Testament, we see the restoration of all things. What is he forming us into? Uh, Like Wayne. Wayne has certain gifts. Wayne will outserve anybody on the earth. Really. Like he's a servant of servants. Right? Like he does things behind the the doors that nobody else knows. So there are parts of Wayne that are lacking, right? So then Ronnie or Daphne or Tim, right, you guys... Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah's a whiz with like electronics. He's a Wi-Fi king, right? He's IT man. He has a T-shirt in it. No, I'm just kidding. Not a T-shirt. But what he has lacking in him, if you meet his wife, she has in spades. Do you see how it all works? In the New Testament, we see the body of Christ. We are all individual members, but together we form the church. Well, at the beginning, he formed Adam and he formed a corresponding helper, one who could relate with God like him, who was given the same value, the same worth, the same things that Adam had had. And then together they could go and do what God wanted to do, right? Remember, this is the, I did this before the fall. There's no conversation about who's in charge yet, right? There's no conversation about headship. There's no conversation about who's here and who's here or whatever, because it didn't matter because they were all doing what they were supposed to. Again, ideal before the fall, right? Before the fall. The fact that Eve was made from Adam shows the unity of the human race and the dignity of women specifically. There's this remark that was made that she wasn't fashioned from the feet to be trampled by him or from his head to rule, to rule over him, but from his side to be near his heart and loved by him. Right? Taken out of the middle of a man. A corresponding helper. And it goes on to say this. This at last, Adam says, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is one like me. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, right now, remember, Moses is writing this. Right. Moses is writing this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Right. Adam wasn't doing life with the zebra. He wasn't doing life with the giraffe. He wasn't doing life with the birds of the air. He was there, but it was meant to rule over and have dominion and care for and tend, protect and serve and all these things. But with all of that, he was alone. There was nobody corresponding. So Eve is created, woman is created, and the idea, this is actually fascinating. You, at Every wedding, we, we read this, because I read this at every wedding, that I do, right? This gives us a picture of the way that God intended it, man and woman together, one flesh, to serve God in everything they do and bring him honor and glory. We were purposed for that, purposed for service together, to care for one another and love one another, to compliment and to correspond to one another. Right? This is before there were any arguments necessary. So that's what we're talking about. So don't get mad at me. This is before all the mess. And their nakedness suggests a couple of things. One, the atmosphere was perfect. It was perfect, right? It was safe. And in their relation to one another, they did not fear exploitation of one another. They related to one another in a way that they were at ease with one another, right? There was no potential for evil in that space and time when they were created the way that they were. How cool would that be? Imagine a world where marriage counseling wasn't necessary. (laughs) Imagine a world where he always did what he was supposed to and she always did what she was supposed to. And this is what it was. Imagine the greatest parts of your, your relationships with one another where we're like, oh, they're taking care of us. And you're like, oh, I'm taking care of them. We get glimpses right now of the ideal. But because we live in a world of sin, which again, next week, but this was the way it was intended to be. And therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Now they had already been doing marriages and things when this was written with Moses. It doesn't say it explicitly here, but think about this. God, the creator of the universe, exhibits both mothering and fathering of his people. He's both compassionate and kind and gentle like a mother would be. He's referred to like a a mother hen with his chicks at times where they live under his wings or under a mother's wings. Like that's, God refers himself that way at times, right? We're created in his image, both male and female, right? Which means he exhibits those characteristics. He is a he. We're not talking about that, but he's also the father. So when it says that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. It's interesting because Adam went to leave and, and, and be united to his wife. And his, the father God was there, right? Left and was like united. The idea is they become one. And in the unity, you go from there. What, is, what do we, hear, we read about in, in uh, Ephesians? The unity of the body, right? The unity, many becoming one, and continuing this, that two become one, one flesh, because they correspond to one another in service and honoring God. If you're writing notes, you can write this. This is important because... Like, so what? Right. The ideal. That's great. We don't live there anymore. Johnny, what do we do? But here's going back to the beginning, knowing the way God made us at the beginning gives us the direction to walk in now with Jesus. Because we know that we have fallen. We know that we need restoration. And what are we being restored to? You have to remember we're being restored to this other thing. And this other thing is service and the glory of God. Like what's your purpose as a new believer or as a believer is to serve God just the way that Adam was placed in the garden, to serve God. It means that we are to relate to him and to others a specific way. How did we relate at the beginning? We related in service and honor, right? Glorifying and making a big deal about God, doing what he asks us to, and staying focused on the fact that he gave us everything that we needed and we weren't missing out on anything. What we'll find next week and what we can understand now is we have to continually fight against the idea that God's holding out and that we know better. The reason the knowledge of good and evil is a problem is because we have taken over in sin, we have taken over dictating what is right and wrong. That's the problem. That's what's caused all the problem. And as Adam, the first man, the first Adam failed, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam, who did it the way God intended it to be done, which is why in Jesus we have hope. That's cool, right? The first Adam was created to serve God and do what he wanted, And because he failed, God provided the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who in fact did it exactly this way. He did not take the knowledge of good and evil. He did it exactly what he said. God was enough and showed us the way. So in him now, what are we shooting for? In Christ, we're shooting back to the beginning. What are we redeemed for? What are we saved for? Is to serve God, serve one another. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. How were we to live in relation to God how were we to live in relation to one another? How were we in, intended to live in relation to the earth? And how were we to understand right and wrong? This is what we're shooting for. Like every day, God, how am I supposed to relate to you? Oh, go back to the beginning. Oh, how am I supposed to relate to my my, my friends? How am I supposed to relate to my spouse? How am I supposed to relate to my enemies? Oh, go back to the beginning. We tend to serve God, serve others. It's, what's the main thing? Love God first, love others second as yourself. It's all tied together. And it was all given to us at the very beginning. And then what does dependence and trust look like? Adam had to depend on God that his version of right and wrong was the best, right? That what he said was right and good and that if he said don't do this, that was where freedom was. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this will be on the screen. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't believe that your knowledge of good and evil is a better version than God's original design that your way of thinking supersedes the one who created you, that your understanding of what should be right and wrong is actually better, right? Better than the God who breathed life into your lungs, that gave us life and formed and fashioned us. He goes on, he says this, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind That by testing, there's that testing again, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We started out being created in the image of God for his pleasure and to serve him and one another. And the restoration of all things points us back to the way he intended it through Jesus Christ. Pretty good stuff, huh? Don't be conformed We do a whole sermon just on that scripture, obviously. And everything will come into focus next week because there is such a stark contrast in what happens and what we gave up from the beginning and how it was intended that causes us to press in. My hope is that we will then press in and understand Jesus in a clearer way. When you look at the beginning, the grandeur, the sovereignty of God, the Lord God, who created us, forming us like an artist, building us into something sturdy and strong together, corresponding with one another. Equal value, equal purpose, equal opportunity for failure. Because God did not want robots. He did not create us to just do what he said, but to want to do what he said out of a deep love for him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that um, your word is true and alive. God, is, the beginning was revealed and as we talk about the ideal and what you are intending us to do and be, it is glaring that we fail. It is glaring that we do not accomplish what you want us to accomplish. And Father, I would just ask that as we look at the scriptures about creation and understand you better, that it would create humility and a desire to walk in Jesus Christ towards that ideal. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. We need your help. God, that the Spirit of God would cause us to burn for that and that it would help us to know you more. Um, I'm just going to give you a moment. I'd love for you to pray right where you are. I'm going to ask that you would kind of just assess where you are. I want you to assess the things that have clouded your understanding of the world. Uh, The worldliness around us is so much. So I'm just going to ask that you take a moment. Thank God for the way that He intended it to be. And then thank Him for Jesus Christ who restored all things and points us back to the beginning. Maybe thank him for the abundant provision. Maybe a moment to ask for forgiveness for not being content. Maybe pray for the men and women around you. Thankful for corresponding helpers to live in community with. Hmm. God, thank you that we are not accidental. God, instead, we were purposely fashioned by your art- artistry, God. We were built into a humanity to serve you and know you, to serve and know one another. God, would you help us to be reminded of the way you intended it often so that we might live within your bounds more, that we would not shrug off your commands, but that we would enjoy fellowship with you as Adam and Eve did in their innocence, in their nakedness, Lord, they felt no shame. And in Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come, and we're being fashioned and built into a sturdy house to serve you and serve others and to be known. Do these according to your will and purpose, God, that we'd be used by you to share the good news of the whole world. Say in Jesus' name. We're also going to have a moment or a time where we can offer our tithe to God. This is, again, one of those not suggestions, but a way for us to live in that dependent life. We're actually in Genesis, find out where this came from, this idea you can give online as always. There's a box out front, but we're going to go ahead. There's bowls underneath the chairs and we're just going to pass them down the rows real quick. And while you do that, I'd like to fill you in on a couple of things, Uh, kind of an update from the senior pastor search team. Uh, The search process has begun. There's uh, entered into a contract with NL Moore as a a group that will help us to filter and to find candidates that will best be suited for us here. And at the family gatherings recently, there's a conversation just wanting input and people saying, hey, it'd be nice to at least, you know, have a voice. And we heard that. And uh, not only in the search team process did we hear that, but uh, part of this uh, is getting feedback from you. And so here's how it's going to kind of work. It's an opportunity for us to get that input. So there's going to be a survey that goes out. It will be open next Sunday, the 22nd. There's going to be about 12,000 pieces of communication that I want you to pay attention to because we don't want you to forget. And it's absolutely crucial that you participate. Okay, giving input only works if you actually give input. So what they do, that's a church assessment tool, be sent out. It's like an 85 question survey. It's all important. There's a couple things I need to remind you of. As you read it, some of you are like, oh, I don't know how that, I don't, does that relate to Bayou City? So you, ha- you need to answer every question and you, you need to, once you start it, you have to finish it. They don't go back and forth. You can't save it. You gotta finish the whole thing, okay? Sit down, give yourself 30 minutes and walk it through. I am the lead campus pastor of the Cypress campus. Just to cl- I wanna clarify. If it refers to the senior pastor, it is not talking about me, okay? When it talks about your church, your campus, then you can. it'll refer to me and the staff and the elders here. They'll be, it sh- the vernacular should be clear, right? If not, ask a question. We should be able to help you out. It'll run for two weeks, January 22nd to February 5th. Once the survey is completed, then NMR is going to come and make a site visit where they will meet with different groups, some staff, some people from the church, little focus groups to get a better idea of who we are, what we're really looking for, right? Um, and then once those interviews are done, right? There'll be focus groups from the church, elders, and congregation. The next Sunday, all of those, um, next Sunday, rather, there'll be an email that goes out to all members and regular attenders, a broad net for people who are generally here most of the time. Your input is valuable. And then what'll end up happening is the next steps after that, they'll create it with our job description and come up with a profile of who we're looking for. And then the process then gets going. Does that make sense? Everybody understand what we're doing? Wonderful. We'll finish up with announcements after, but I'd love for you to stand. We're going to continue to worship God today and let us be a response to what we've heard in his word this morning.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.